I saw a story in Reader's Digest a while back. A woman pulled into a parking lot of a Walmart, and she cracked the windows because in the back seat lying down was her new Labrador retriever puppy. And of course, she did not want the puppy to get too hot staying in the car while she shopped, but neither did she want the puppy to try to get out of the car and crawl through the windows. So as she's walking away from the car, she turns to face her car and she's saying out loud, stay, stay. Do you hear me? You stay right there. Stay. And a young woman pulled up and looked out her window and said, why don't you just put it in park? (laughs) Well, have you ever been surprised and even offended by unsolicited counsel? Somebody shows up, you didn't ask for it, you didn't expect it, but they have a word to give you. Now, most of the time, we can just ignore it. But what are you supposed to do when somebody proceeds the word they want to give you about your life with these words? God told me. So we're in this series called Hearing God. We've been doing our exercises every week. And I've heard some awesome testimonies from people who are saying, I'm learning to tune in to God at a level I've never been before. And that's exciting. And we want to learn how to responsibly handle those moments when we think we have heard from God. But we also need to learn how to responsibly handle those moments when somebody else thinks they've heard from God, especially when what they think they've heard is for us. What we need to do is get our hearing tested. Now, this is the counsel of the Apostle Paul in the fifth chapter of 1 Thessalonians. I want you to look at this text with me. And he writes, do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Do not scoff at prophecies, but test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. Don't stifle the Holy Spirit, he says. Do not scoff at prophecies, he says. Another translation says, do not Treat prophecies with contempt. Now, we have to ask some questions. What is Paul calling a prophecy? And why would a church need this warning? Well, in the earliest days of Christianity, before the New Testament was finished, how was the church to know what the truth of Jesus was. Well, there were in the early days recognized prophets and apostles. And they established the truths and the doctrines on which 
the church was built because there was no New Testament yet in place for that purpose. Now, Paul is talking about this in Ephesians chapter 2. And in verse 20, he speaks to the church and he says, You are like a building that was built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. He would say later that Jesus was the chief cornerstone of this building. Now, if you are using the word apostle or prophet in that sense, in the sense of those men that laid the foundation for the church, I don't believe those roles exist anymore. I believe the foundation of the church has been completely laid. The New Testament canon now has been closed, and we have the foundation we need. But I don't think that is what Paul meant in 1 Thessalonians when he says, Do not scoff at prophecies. He's not referring to those thus saith the Lord messages because he expected the church to test them. It's interesting that later in the first Thessalonians, he says, I want you to read this letter to all the churches. In fact, I charge you in the Lord to do it. He's not saying test my words. He's not saying test the words that would become scripture and take what you like and throw away what you don't like. The prophecies that Paul are talking about are not new authoritative revelation, but they're divine confirmation of God's word and will to build up his church. You look totally confused. So let me try to make it simpler. In this sense, a prophecy is simply a message of encouragement that comes from God And it's delivered through a human vessel. It is a specific message for a particular situation that comes from God through a person in understandable language to bless somebody else. And this is how the word prophecy is used on every single gift list In the New Testament. And by the way, it's the only gift that's mentioned in every single list. It's what Paul is talking about in 1 Corinthians 14. Look at this with me. Verse 1. Now follow the way of the Lord. Eagerly desire spiritual gifts. Especially the gift of prophecy. Now, why of all the gifts does he want us to have this one? Look at verse 3. Everyone who prophesies speaks to men. For their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. Now, this gift is one of the great blessings of living in the last days. Before Christ, not every man and woman had the gift of the Spirit and had this capacity to speak truth from God to other people. Moses said, I wish you all could do it, but you can't. But now, look at the first gospel sermon ever preached in Acts chapter 2. In fact, I want you to help me. I want you to read parts of this verse. I'll tell you when. Here we go. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit, read the next three words, on all people. Okay. Your sons and, read that word. I did not make up that word. God put that word in your Bible. Your sons and 
daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, read the next four words, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and, next three words, they will prophesy. This is the promise of our age, the messianic age. That men and women will be filled with the Spirit of God and will be able to prophesy. Now, I've already said, I do not endorse modern day revelation to be added to the Scripture. The Scripture is closed. The foundation is laid. But I do endorse modern day exhortation. As the church tries to live out the call of Scripture. Because let me ask you this. The purpose of prophecy is to strengthen, encourage, and comfort believers. Does the church today still need to be strengthened, encouraged, and comforted? Yes. Prophecy is essential for the church, not optional. And you might call it something else. You might be afraid for some reason of the word prophecy because of how it's been used in other places. But whatever you call it, the fact is the church could not exist without it. And in fact, we've embraced it for a long time. I really do believe What Jesus promised is true. That when we step into situations that are out of our comfort zone, if we will step in faith to witness to Christ, the Holy Spirit will give us words to say. This has happened to me so many times. I remember one of my first times, I'm a young minister, and I've been asked to go to the home of a young man who's dying of cancer. Now, what do I have to say to a man with three little kids who's about to die? And I walk into this room and it's full of people and you could feel the fear. You could feel the complete lack of peace in the room. And I went and I sat beside him. And I suddenly realized, I don't know how to explain this except the Lord helped me to see it. He was so afraid of the future for his kids. What was going to happen to his kids when he was gone? And I began to speak. And I began to say things that gave him hope for his children. And you could see the peace began to descend. And you could see the fear began to leave. And later, many people told me, I don't know how you did it. But you said exactly what he needed to hear. Now, at this point, I have three options. Option number one, well, I guess the devil gave me that word. I don't think we believe that. Option number two, I could have walked to my car thinking, you know, Rick, sometimes I just surprise myself with my brilliance. (laughs) Or option number three, I could say, thank you, God, for giving me a word to strengthen, encourage, and comfort my brother. Those words. 
words were God's words. We're talking about hearing God. And it's not less spiritual if you hear God through somebody else. But it can be more dangerous. Because any good gift of God is a target for Satan to counterfeit or abuse. Think about it. If prophecy is such a blessing to the church, then why would Paul need to say, don't scoff at prophecies. Don't treat prophecies with contempt. Well, here's why. Because the sad reality is that some people use God told me as the ultimate trump card. And they use what they call prophesying to do something that I call spiritual bullying. Because after all, God told me is the ultimate trump card. How do you respond to that? But the reality is some people use God's name to promote their name and their agenda. This is what the commandment is warning us against. Do not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. It's not talking about cussing, which I'm not endorsing. It's talking about when you take the name of God and you attach it to your agenda to give your agenda God's cover. And some people do that and they call it prophecy. You've had that experience. You've watched on Christian television. Some preachers say, God told me to tell you. And it usually winds up with you writing a check. We've had people run their agenda. I remember one time in our church atrium one Sunday morning, someone came up to me and said, God told me to tell you to preach on. Which... Confused me because for many years now, God and I have had a great communication about what I should preach on. He has my phone number. What was really interesting was three minutes later, somebody else came up to me and said, God told me to tell you to preach on. Now, either God can't make up his mind or somebody is using God to get their agenda run. And that's what Paul is worried about. Because we've all had the experience of somebody claiming authority that we know later was illegitimate. It's like the story I heard of the shepherd out in the field and this guy drives up in a brand new cheap character. He gets out in a $3,000 suit. He's got on Gucci shoes and Ray-Bans and a polo tie. He says, hey, if I can tell you how many sheep you have in this flock, can I have one? The shepherd says, well, sure. So he whips out a modern, fancy, expensive cell phone, gets on the NASA site, connects to GPS, hooks it up to a small printer, connects to a database, prints out a 150-page printout full of charts and graphs, says, you got 1,586 sheep. And shepherd says, that's right. You can pick one. So he goes, he gets an animal, puts it in the back of his Jeep. He's about to drive off. Shepherd says, hey, if I can tell you your job, can I get my animal back? He said, yeah. He said, you're a consultant. 
He said, how'd you know? He said, well, number one, you show up without being asked. (laughs) Number two, you want to get paid for telling me something I already know. (laughs) And number three, you don't know a thing about my business because you got my dog in the back of your car. (laughs) So we know what it's like to have people claim authority that really is illegitimate. Here's the mistake we make in the church. Whenever somebody abuses a freedom or a gift from God, we tend to overreact and say, let's just not use it anymore. Example, because some kinds of dancing are lewd and crude. Many Christians say, well, it's just wrong to dance, even though the Bible says there's a time to dance. Because some people get drunk. Many Christians say, well, it's just wrong to drink alcohol, even though the Bible says wine is a gift from God. We do this a lot. We take the abuse of one of God's gifts, And we come up with a rule saying, let's just don't use the gift at all. Listen to me. You never correct and abuse by commanding disuse, but by learning proper use. Here's the principle. Paul says, give prophecy a chance, but do not leave it to chance. Let's test our hearing. That's what he says, for example, in 1 Corinthians 14, 29. He says, two or three prophets should speak, and the others should weigh carefully what is said. You should not be offended If you feel like you have heard from the Lord and you share it with somebody and they want to carefully consider if this is from the Lord. That's what they're supposed to do because communication is complicated. You know that. It's complicated to hear. It's complicated to speak correctly what you've heard. It's complicated to interpret what you've heard someone else say. You know this. I still can't figure out all the abbreviations for texting that my children use. I'm scared to death some of the messages I may have sent. I have a preacher friend whose older mother got a cell phone and she's trying to learn texting. She kept seeing this little expression, LOL. What does LOL stand for? She thought it stood for lots of love. So she is sending messages to friends like, I heard your son was in a car wreck, LOL. I heard your mother just passed away. LOL. (laughs) We know communication's complicated. And so just because someone shares a word from the Lord and you're not sure if that's a word from the Lord or not doesn't mean that we should just get rid of prophecy. The Bible even says that the Bible can be hard to understand. There's always going to be a certain level of ambiguity when prophecy, because Paul says, 1 Corinthians 13, 9 and 10, we know in part, we prophesy in part, but when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. So a word of prophecy is always given humbly. You do not say to somebody else, God told me to tell you, thus says the Lord. But you say, 
I think the Lord might be saying. And then you say, and I encourage you to pray and seek confirmation of this word. Because you're supposed to go through a hearing test. Here's five questions you ought to answer when you hear a word from the Lord. Number one, does it line up with the scriptures? A word is always measured by the word. Remember we talked about the Bereans in Acts 17 verse 11. It says they received the message with great eagerness and they examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Because nothing God says is ever going to contradict what God wrote. A.W. Tozer was right when he said a growing acquaintance with the Holy Spirit will always mean an increasing love for the Bible. And so when someone says, I believe I've heard a word from the Lord, first question, does it line up with the Scriptures? Second question, does it lift up the Lord Jesus Christ? The Spirit of Christ will always point to the person of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 3 says, So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Remember, there's more than one voice seeking your attention. Any word that diminishes Jesus, any word that questions his deity or his humanity, any word that questions the sufficiency of his atonement, any word that questions whether he is the unique and only way to the Father, did not come from God. Does it lift up the Lord Jesus Christ? Question number three, does it hold up the gospel of grace? This is a very important question to ask because as a young man, more than once, I was almost seduced to different kinds of religious bondage. People share words for your encouragement that really result in some form of legalistic slavery. In Galatians, Paul is writing to a church that's being upset by a word, a word that still affirms Jesus, but simply wants to add circumcision to the gospel. And here's what Paul says in chapter 1, verse 8, let God's curse fall on anyone, including us, or even an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of good news than the one we preach to you. Any news that undermines the good news of grace is not his news. Does it hold up the gospel of grace? Question number four is very important. Does it show up in the speaker's life? No matter how gifted a person may claim to be, the Bible never exalts giftedness over character. A person who hears words from Christ should bear the fruit of Christ in his life. Jesus says, Matthew chapter 7, Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit, that is, by the way they act. 
Because God pours his truth through clean vessels, not dirty ones. By the way, side note here that's very important. Be suspicious of anything you think you hear God say for somebody else when you're angry. And be suspicious of listening to any word from anybody who is angry. The Bible says be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry, because anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So if you think you hear from God while you're angry, my suggestion is you listen again. And then question number five. Does it build up the body of Christ? Prophecy is to strengthen, encourage, and comfort God's people. It's not for discovering mysteries about the end of the world. It's for discipling men so they can take the gospel to the whole world. Words that discourage and tear down should not be excused with the God told me trump card. Look at what Paul says in Ephesians 4. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it might benefit those who listen and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Now, this is interesting. Paul says in Thessalonians, you quench the Spirit when you tell people they can't speak words from God. But then in Ephesians, he says, you grieve the Spirit when you speak words that are hurtful and ugly and demeaning and in claim that God gave them to you. God is never going to give you a message that you can't speak in love. In fact, it might be good here to add that a lot of the time, in fact, I will say most of the time, God gives you a thought about somebody else. Don't assume that means you're supposed to share the revelation. So much of the time when God puts somebody else on your heart, it's simply so you will pray for them. God's never going to share a truth that can't be spoken in love. Biggest problem in the church today is not a lack of prophecy. It's a lack of love. Earlier in the same book, Paul says, May the Lord make your love grow more and multiply for each other and for all people so that you will love others as we love you. So we've been talking now for some weeks about hearing God. And I hope you really do believe God still speaks. That you really do want more than you ever have to hear from God. But here's the key. The real goal is not so much to hear from God. The real goal is to love. And if you'll make loving your goal, you'll hear from God. Let me put it this way. You give priority to loving and your hearing will improve. You tell God in prayer, God, I want to love better and I want to love more. And God will tell you how. Elizabeth Noller in Mature Living Magazine recently wrote about being out to 
eat with her family, and her five-year-old grandson, Michael, was across the table. And he blew her a kiss, and she blew one back. And a few weeks later, she's on the phone with Michael, and he says, Grandma, do you still have that kiss I gave you? And she said it was safe and sound in her pocket, and he said, well, you need to take care of it. It was my best one. We need to take care of God's gifts. And Paul said, prophecy is one of his best. The capacity to be directed by God to go and encourage and strengthen and comfort somebody. What an awesome gift. We need to take care of it. And so, I got this card a while back from a woman, new to our church, and she's also new to the Lord. And she said, I'd been calling out to him for a while, and recently I read a letter and I wrote to God during a particularly dark period of my life, wow, I was in a lot of pain, and I felt so worthless. I had closed myself To hearing God. Because I couldn't imagine he could care about somebody as soiled as I was. And during the next six months, on three separate occasions, involving three different people, God spoke to me. On each occasion, I was approached by someone I didn't know because the Lord compelled them to tell me to not give up and to keep calling out for him. And it took a friend of mine to point out how much God must love me. When I couldn't hear him on my own, he was sending people to let me know he was listening. And it dawned on me how much he loves me. He was calling out And seeking me too. We need to take care of a gift like that. So let's ask God to improve our hearing. Starting not with our ears. But with our hearts. Would you bow with me please. And so Father I pray now. That you would. Not just increase our capacity to love people but increase our passion to want to, to really want to love better. So right now I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to pray right now and ask God to put somebody on your heart, one person that you think could need to be encouraged, strengthened, or comforted next week. Ask God to give you one name. Okay, you've got a name. Now pray one more thing. Pray, God, what would you like me to do to encourage them? Do you want me just to pray for them? 
Is there something I need to go do for them? Or do you have a word for me to take to them? Ask God to show you how to strengthen, encourage, or comfort that person. Oh, God, we know family can get messy. But we believe love can hold us together. So help us now to be the church that loves. In Jesus' name, amen. And so we're going to sing. Let's all stand. Prayer team, come to the front. If you need to be encouraged by prayer, if God is speaking to you now and saying, go get some help, we're down here. If you need to be baptized, we're down here. This is our moment to love each other.